We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, everybody. I'm Bart Winkler on the Bart Winkler Show. You know, if you're talking amongst yourselves and thinking, that was a nice episode, I want more. 45 minutes to an hour of BART just isn't enough. First of all, what's wrong with you? Second of all, writer than you is where I will be Monday through Friday all of this week, June 26th through the 30th, 2023, CBS Sports Radio. You can, of course, get it on the Odyssey app, and you can also get it on 1250 AM, The Fan. That's right. Once again, I'll be back on those airwaves. It's a big deal for me. I was on there Friday. That was fun uh, doing Zach Gelb's show. And then I do the Sunday show. But for some reason, again, 1250 carries BetQL programming. I don't know why. Uh, I did a survey for FanDuel. This is the kind of shit I'm up to. And they gave me $100 credit. But I thought I was doing it for the uh, daily fantasy, but I got, now I got a hundred dollar credit to FanDuel Sportsbook, which is fine. I mean, thank you. I'll take it, but I can't gamble here. I have to either go to Pato or drive over the border and get the ping to go. Oh yeah. I'm in Illinois. Yeah, I'm, I'm on this side of the highway. I guess it's legal to do this, but if I walk nine steps over there, it's not legal to do that. Weird with a lot of different things. That's why we're that's why we're chopping on these gummies. But so maybe I'll do that at some point. I don't know, but good for me. Uh, yay. The point of my story is that even though you can't bet, 1250s run BetQL on the GD weekends when they could be running your boy. So Bill Ryder takeover this week from 9 to 11 Central on 1250 AM, the fan. I'm excited for that. I have a big week. Uh, I will also be at Summerfest on Tuesday and, or not Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, working the Milwaukee Pro Soccer Tent. So if you went to Summerfest at all and saw they're selling merch and, you know, trying to get people to vote on the team name as we whittled it down to 16 to, I think, 10. Um, yeah, I'll be one of those guys working the Summerfest tent. So we are not too far from the games stay, uh, set up. And we're like in the backyard of ESPN Milwaukee's. So we'll see what kind of shenanigans I can be up to for a couple days. Come say hi if you're nearby. I'm doing the day shifts. 
I think Thursday night I'll be there into the evening, but I'm trying not to be there when like all the cool kids are there. So I want to be, I just want to kind of like blend in, but support my club, Milwaukee pro soccer, my baseball club. want to talk about them here. They got a four game series with the Mets coming up and the Mets. Everyone's pissed about the Mets. I was on CBS sports radio talking about how I thought Steve Cohen was going to, like we we should root for the Mets. If you're not, I thought him spending the five hundred million dollars or whatever, because all of these owners are rich, right? But they all cap out around three hundred million dollars or so. There's no salary cap, but the owners have kind of like looked at each other and said, "We're not. No one's going to be the one to break the bank on this because we don't want to drive up the prices too too much." I mean, yeah, we have money, let's spend it, but we also don't want to drive up the prices too much. Well, when the Mets were spending all this money. It wasn't just teams like the Brewers and Pirates and Reds that were getting mad. It was teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Astros, the teams that do spend because they were the rich kid on the block. And then someone was spending more money than them. So I thought the best way to create change would be for the rich guy to be outdone by the super, super rich guy. Then the rich guys will want change. And to get change to get that guy back down to his level, we could see a fundamental change in baseball. Now, this was a stretch of a theory, but it was a theory that I had. Well, that theory is stupid because it kind of is by its own merits. And also the uh, Mets are bad. They're 35 and 42, 35 and 42. So the Brewers come into this series at 40 and 37 after taking two or three from the guardians. If the Brewers were 35 and 42, could you imagine what this fan base would be like? Now think of that if we had a $500 million payroll and more expectations in the world and uh, a, a media market that was 15 times the size. I mean, it would be disastrous. It would be disastrous. So this series against the Mets is going to be very interesting. Both teams, the Brewers and the Mets, had some bullpen issues on Sunday. The Brewers were able to work out of it. The Mets were not. And the Mets are thinking, at least their fans are, that Buck Showalter uh, should be fired. I saw this tweet. Here's a Mets thread that I'm on, or that I that I saw. I don't even know how I saw it. I think I was searching for Buck Showalter to see what people were saying and if he was going to get fired. Uh, and this one guy says, this is certainly the type of game that gets a manager fired. David Robertson has only pitched twice in the last 10 days, only 13 pitches yesterday. Adam Adovino has pitched just twice in the last week. So what happened on Sunday was Showalter was trying not to use his good relievers, and then it cost him. Uh, Louis Kabatnik, blue check mark, 242 followers, sounds like a good dude, says, good thing Craig Council will be our manager next year after David Stearns brings him over. And that is something I haven't considered before. That Craig Council, we he is not signed for next year. And we all think he wants to like watch his kid play or just kind of like go back to being a dad or you know being Craig Council the legend, not Craig Council the, the manager. But could he take a job somewhere else? Mets fans, you know, if we thought that Stearns was going to be with the Mets for years, what are Mets fans thinking? Well, this particular one, Louis Kabatnik thinks that Craig Council is going to come over. Uh, he then follows up by saying, 
Council has taken mediocre Brewers teams to the playoffs several times over the last five years. He's a good manager. Then Mets fans are discussing in the comments about how last year was actually, this was Mets fans saying this. Mets fans are saying that, well, the Brewers didn't make the playoffs last year because they were a seller at the deadline with Josh Hader. Um, Absolutely. Tim says the only seller trade they made was the Hader one. And one can argue that wasn't really a seller trade. Haler had been horrible for them, and they got Taylor Rogers back in that deal. They also traded for Matt Bush and Trevor Rosenthal. Those were the only trades they made. So just so you know, there's people out there talking about our Milwaukee Brewers. And if you want to reference this conversation or engage on it at all, I will retweet Louis Kabatnik right now. So if it popped up into your timeline last night, that was as I was recording. Uh, thank you to Louis Kabatnik for your place in Bart Winkler show lore. Um, the Brewers over the weekend, again, played the Guardians and took two of three from them. Interesting series on Friday night. They took him to the woodshed. Wade Miley was cruising along. He is picked up right where he left off. This is our 200th episode, by the way. Congratulations to me. I don't know if anyone cares. Um, But Wade Miley took six innings of work, only 67 pitches, and then got pulled out. And Brewer fans were very upset. And uh, we found out later it was cramps or something. So he was fine. So a good performance from him. I thought there would be more made of it was Miley versus Bieber. Maybe I missed some of the internet jokes on that. But uh, there were. That was also the night that Willie Adamas homered twice after we had just been talking about how he's the most disappointing brewer. Um, Willie Adamas followed up that hot streak by going 0 for 3 with 2Ks on Saturday. And then on Sunday, of course, uh, even worse, 0 for 5. So Willie Adamas, who really proved us all wrong on Friday night, homering twice in a 7-1 game, then went 0 for 8 with 3Ks the rest of the weekend. Currently sitting in the 3 or 4 spot of the lineup, um, pitchers do look over in fear when Willie Adamas is at the plate. Uh, you can see it in their eyes. If there wasn't a pitch clock, I don't know that that these guys would even have enough courage to, they would think too hard and long and, and they would crumble at the mere sight of Willie Adamas holding a baseball bat. Saturday, the Brewers lose four to two. So that's a bummer. Freddie Peralta again, mentioned him as someone who could be a most disappointing brewer, five innings. Uh, gave up the three hits, uh, three runs, rather, four hits. Just, you know, he's been consistently like that, where Freddie, three earned, two earned, four earned, two earned, three earned, four earned, three. It's not, like, bad. It's just kind of you know what you're going to get out of Freddie Peralta. And if it's going to be a variance of one of the things, it's going to be more him getting shelled by the Giants or him getting shelled by the Cardinals unless – him pitching very well against the Dodgers uh, as he did back in May. So you're getting five or six out of Freddie right now. Uh, He's taking a hundred pitches to get there and he's going to give up a few runs. And I think that we would all expect a little bit more out of Freddie Peralta at this point. That being said, don't we all expect a little bit more out of Corbin Burns five and two thirds for earned in this outing. Homie Miller replaced him. Uh, Brewers bullpen put some, Guys on with Piams. Actually, the bullpen uh, did pretty well. I don't know what I'm talking about earlier. I didn't watch this game. Um, no, but they did give up some runs. 
Oh, that was in the sixth. Oh, okay. Those were Burns runs. Whatever. Again, I didn't watch the game. Uh, I I tried to scoot by that, but I didn't I didn't see a lot of the game. I was it's really hard at, at CBS to watch the game because I got to be laser focused, uh, babbling my nonsense. I did watch Friday. I did watch Friday. I, I 100% watched all of Friday. Uh, so I feel good about that. I did not watch on Saturday. Saturday, I was at Camp Yogi Bear or whatever the fuck. Uh, Camp Jellystone. Man, this place, I don't know if you guys have been there. It's like right outside Oak Creek. They think they're Disney World. It's like, come on in, pay. And then if you want to do anything else cool, uh, pay for that. You want to rent a cabana for three hours? That'll be $100 by the pool. Oh, you want to go jump on those inflatables? That'll be $30 for 50 minutes. And, and, you know, people, this is what they want. They want to get away and have a good time. I've never been to a campsite like that. My in-laws, brother and sister-in-law, have a camper. And their setup was pretty nice. They had a nice camper. And they were in, like, a, you know, a shaded area where there were trees. And it felt kind of outdoorsy and woodsy. And I thought that was fun. My kid had a great time. Uh, I thought that was good. Then there's some people that have a camper and they're like the newer spots of this place is essentially a parking lot and it's the hot, hot sun beating down on you. I mean, some of the, some of the places in this place, it feels like, yes, this is what a campground should be. There's other people here. People are pulling up tents. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're secluded, but you know, not too far from amenities if we need them, but this is fun. This is nice. A lot of people doing this plenty of activities to do if you bring your wallet and, and that's fun. But then the newer ones, it's like you're camping, like I said, in a parking lot under the hot, hot sun. So I don't get it. But I don't know. I don't know if uh, buying a camper will be in my future. Uh, I wouldn't mind maybe when I'm older being a, like a RV around the world kind of a situation for a year or around the country. Don't think the bride will go for that. But um, we'll see. First, I got to live that long, obviously. But that's what I did, you know. It was expensive. It's an expensive little time. It's fun time, but it's expensive little time. Speaking of expensive, I did I did panic. I got a message from Chris at Happy Place Hemp. And it, the message was said inflation. Um and I thought, "Oh no. This is actually the opposite." Everything else is being inflation. Happy Place Hemp is actually getting cheaper. They cut prices across the board about 25%. So every product that they're selling, they were able to cut prices about 25%. What has happened at Happy Place Hemp is they're able to make more products for less money. And instead of pocketing all of that so they can retire to Camp Jellystone, what these gentlemen have decided to do was to pass the actual savings on to the customers. Like this is, when they say pass the savings on to you, this is like as grassroots as it gets. So some of the gummies beforehand, if you were getting the THCOs or the Delta 8s, a 40 count, 75 bucks. Uh, And then it was 60 bucks with the coupon, with the promo code BART which is a great deal. Now it's $60 from jump and it's going to be after the coupon, 25% off 45. So use the coupon 
I mean, if you don't use the coupon, you're paying the same price as you were before the coupon. But that's dumb. Don't do that. Use the coupon and you can get even more savings. So they've cut prices across the board, but did not cut the percentage of the savings. You still get 25% off. Happyplacehemp.com. That's how we're celebrating episode 200. How about that? They have also quietly tucked away on the website, but you can find them. They have Delta A gummies with 50 milligrams if you want to try those. So there's a lot going on at happyplacehemp.com. I think that's really awesome that they essentially are the, the real example. Sometimes people say, oh, pass the savings out to you. Yeah, it's not really. What they do is mark up the price and then put a deal. And they're like, oh, see, we're, you know, that old trick. Not this. This we're seeing in action. So prices have been slashed at Happy Place Hemp because they can make more of them effectively. And instead of, uh, you know, pocketing all of that and having money spilling out of their pants, they are passing the savers on to the customers who have allowed them to get to this point in the first place. So this is tremendous. Everybody that I, you know, like to do something with, I make sure that the product is good and I make sure that the people are good and then we can go. So I'm, I'm really pumped about this. Happyplacehemp.com. Uh, speaking of people being good and product being good, I'm going to introduce you. I was wearing some of the stuff the other night, but I'm going to introduce you to Nate from 4Golf, 4GolfApparel.com. They've got uh, new golf merchandise for, uh, you know, if you're a golfer, if you're bad, if you're good, if you're whatever. They've got cheaper merchandise for you, so they're kind of doing the same sort of thing. And I'm going to introduce you to Nate, and he'll tell you about the product a little bit later on in this episode. We're also going to hear from Toby Altizer coming up on this program. Talk more brewers in a moment, the Bart Winkler Show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A couple more things I wanted to say as it relates to the Brewers and specifically Corbin Burns and what the situation with him is. So we know he was in arbitration 
and he had recently won the Cy Young not too long ago and had another good year. And then uh, he went to arbitration and didn't get the $750,000 that he wanted. Um, we did not like that. We did not like that. Brewers had their argument that, no, we, we don't think you should get it. We're, we're arguing why. And this year now, Corbin Burns has not been as reliable, certainly not in a Cy Young realm, as we've talked about. I talked about Freddie a little bit ago. He's got about a 4.6 ERA. Corbin Burns, you think, is doing better. He's around a 4.10. And he has had more of the outings where you're like, oh, shit, that's Corbin Burns. There was an outing against the Diamondbacks. He struck out eight, eight innings, three earned. There was a May game against the Royals. Struck out seven, six innings, not three earned, three hits, none earned. None earned also against the Royals. Just did it against the Orioles. Every month he's got one of these Corbin Byrne gems. And that's what keeps the ERA down a little bit. But he also got torn apart by the Mets that first game that he threw this season. He got torn apart by the Astros on a Monday. We did a live broadcast not too long ago. And he got torn apart uh, by the Diamondbacks on another Monday. And then he did not have a good outing putting those guys on and having four earned to his name uh, Sunday. So it's been a struggle for Burns. It certainly has. I think one thing that it does is knocks his trade value down which may encourage the Brewers to want to trade him more. Uh, but it also, there's a question mark after that. So I'm not saying that as an opinion or a fact. It also might make him cheaper. And so maybe the Brewers like this. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to regress, it's best for the club if you start to do it before you get paid. Like Christian Yelich. If he would have got the contract after 2021, how much would the Brewers have offered him? If he would have been playing like that the year that he got the contract, what would they pay it? What would they have to pay him to keep him? They'd still say, well, we know he can be an MVP. He struggled. Uh, what, what are you giving him? 15 million? Is that too high for Yelich? So with Burns, if we all think he's going to make 30, you know, we thought we were going to have these two guys that were going to make 30 some million dollars as a pitcher. Uh, Woodruff has been hurt most of the year and Corbin Burns has been a roller coaster. I'm not going to say ineffective. He's had some really good starts, but this is now a couple back to back and especially the Arizona one he had. I mean, he went, what was it? He went that whole season like without walking a guy for his first 100 strikeouts or something. I mean, he was doing some ridiculous, never before seen stuff. And now I mean, the best pitcher on this team is who? Wade Miley? Who, who are you the most confident in when he – Julio Tehran? Like, Wade Miley, I'm super confident in Wade Miley. I, I mean, I hope that he doesn't miss a start here, but I think – I don't know. I didn't expect him to pitch like this when he came back, but he has been he's been very reliable. Did have a tough outing against the Dodgers not too long ago, but I feel confident when he's on the on the hill. And the same with Julio Tehran. And Corbin Burns right now, you could argue, is at best our third best pitcher. And I don't even know if you're going to count Brandon Woodruff in that or not. So it's not good. Um, I don't know what that makes the Brewers do at the deadline if they want to do anything. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think they're going to be motivated to move him. 
my argument was I didn't want to trade him. If we were at this point, I don't want to trade him because people always say, well, you're not going to get anything out from him if you just let him go. Well, you're getting two years of Corbin Burns is what you're getting, but not this, this Corbin Burns is not the Corbin Burns that was in that equation. So I don't know that everybody's super gung-ho about that. So with that being said, I still right now where I'm at, because everybody you know likes to ask and talk about it, do you buy, do you sell? They're 40 and 37. They're a half game back of the Reds, who, I mean, won a bunch of games, did lose a couple, but the Brewers are right there. So the Brewers are essentially in first place in the National League Central. If they fall out of that, the wild card does not really – could be achievable, but it'd be tight. You'd be in a class with the Phillies, who are three games over. Um, the Padres are four under. They could come back. Maybe the Cubs make their way into it. How about the Pirates? The Pirates went on a massive losing streak. I think a 10-game losing streak. I mean, we broke their season. So they were in first place, uh, and we broke their season. Not good for the Pirates. As the Reds were winning a bunch of games, the Pirates lost a bunch of games as well. Eight, nine, or 10 games. So the division, it's the Reds on top, Brewers half game back, Cubs three, Pirates five and a half back, Cardinals eight and a half back. So it is, uh, it is, it is rough. It is, it is rough for them. Um, but I'm still, I'm still, I don't, I, selling is not anything that I want to do. I still want to go with this team, with these guys. Now, do you become a buyer? Uh, what do you give up? I think they kind of just ride it out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that there's anything clear enough where they can make a decision. And I don't think that this team's good enough right now where you would want to give up a bunch of pieces for a ticket to get in there. I think you look at it as the, let's just try to get in and get hot. This is about as bite of the apple of a year that you could ever have. And that's just the team. And maybe that guy I talked about earlier that, that tweeted, you know, maybe these are mediocre teams. Maybe, maybe it is all on Craig Council. The Brewers have built bites of the Apple teams. I mean, we don't even know. Like, what are they? What are they? The Brewers, there's a great stat on the Brewers about um, how they're playing in these close games. Mike Vassallo tweeted this out. They're 12-4 and four in one-run games. They're 12-4 and four in one-run games. If they were the, I mean, do we call them fraudulent? We did that for the Vikings. They had a great record in one run games, but you look at them and thought they're not this good. So if the Brewers are 12 and four in one run games, if they just have a four game swing, they're a game under 500. And then what are we talking about? We probably, we probably do want them to sell. If there's another four, then they're five games under. Like they are, they are so perfectly mediocre at this point that you, I don't think you can make a decision. I think they're right in the right. I don't think you can make a decision. How can you make a decision? There's another month to play it out. Certainly. But how, how, how would you decide if your buyers are, so how do they even know what kind of team they are? And you know, if you get Woodruff back, that's kind of like getting an arm back at the deadline. You guys, it's kind of, it's kind of like what that is. So I think you just kind of stay the course and let the team tell you over the next month what they should do. If they still keep playing like this, I, I think you just ride it out and see what happens. And then if you do want to trade some guys, uh, you trade Adamas, you trade Burns, 
whoever you do that in the off season. Uh, I think with this group of guys, you see what happens. And then next year, maybe you call up some more pitchers. Uh, maybe you find a way to bring Woodruff back. Churio at some point comes up and then, you know, Mitchell's back healthy. Everybody else is back up. And then the youth movement is officially on. So I think, I think right now you run it out. Cause, cause they could go either way, man. I mean, if you're 12 and four in one run games, there's only one team better in all of baseball, the Marlins. If you're playing like this, I, I, you could, you could, they could lose 10 games in a row just as well as they could win 10 in a row. I think we would say it's more likely they lose 10 in a row. There's a good uh, tweet from Dom here who does the post game and a bunch of other stuff on 620. He says, to me, this series starts a massive turning point for the Brewers. Corbin was good, but not perfect. The offense was good, but not perfect. The bullpen was perfect. They can win with good performances. Now's the time to get after it after a weird Mets team. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I should go back and edit when I said the bullpen had some problems. I really was trying to fake my way through that one. I feel bad about that, but we're just going to go with it is. I'm going to go through it. Um, and maybe you got mad at me and tweeted me about it, and now you can tweet me after you hear this part. Louis Kabatnik. Let's see what he's got to say. All right, so uh, some healthy Brewers conversation. I'm looking forward to the season against the Mets, the series. I do not envision going live on Monday night. God, I don't know. I'm alone with my son again, and uh, wife's out of town. He does not have an easy time going to bed when she's gone. So it certainly would not be. When When is it going to happen? It's certainly not going to be. After the game's done, if the game starts at six, going to be done around eight thirty. There's no chance in hell that he's in bed. And I try to put him down a little earlier than that, but I nine forty five is when he fell asleep on Sunday night, so it's going to be tough. Or I could just pop on then. I'll I'll plan on planning on it, but I don't know what time, and I don't know that I do it. But uh, I'm gonna I'm maybe going to jump on live just because I have been on Mondays. If not, I'll try to do another night later this week. Uh, cause I do want to talk to people about the brewers. I want to, I like, I want to, if I, I'm going to do a brewer show, uh, and I want to talk like where your head's at with trade and if council's future, like I want, I want to have that show. Uh, I think I, I think I'm ready to do it now. I'm ready to do a 45 minute post game about the brewers. I wasn't about a month ago, but I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready now. So maybe we'll give that a little bit of a try. Toby Altizer. I got to see him over the weekend. We went to Carl's place together, and that was a good time. We were playing with some of the golf simulators, did a couple different courses. Uh, I did better than I did the previous time. This was my first time with clubs this year, and we got to see all of like the new stuff that they're doing. It's really, really cool. Carl of ET.com backslash Bart. I'll have some videos out in the coming weeks, but just really good to see Toby for a while. And I was with Toby when the Chris Paul-Jordan Poole trade happened, so... I thought, hey, I want to have him on my show. also want to give him a little national shine. Let's talk to him on CBS and make it a two-for-one kind of situation. So I talked to Toby on CBS Sports Radio on Sunday, and that is next here on the Bart Winkler Show. Toby Altizer is joining us on the phone. Uh, Toby is a former colleague of mine, 
uh, in the Wisconsin market, and then he works in D.C. now. And I just, uh, Toby, I I feel bad. I I feel like we're so close, but I just had to go to your Twitter bio because I forgot what station you worked at. So. <laughs> 1067 the fan the team 980 in DC so okay. you know whatever whatever the case may be all right and and oh but I do know your podcast busting loose baseball on the Nats there you go yeah, yeah busting okay. loose baseball me and Grant Paulson talking Nationals baseball if that tickles your fancy all right so Toby uh radio guy and also is uh I think he minored in graphic design as well uh collegiately <laughs> so you can see some of his Photoshop's there, Toby Altizer on Twitter uh, with the underscore. Toby, the Wizards, you and I were together when the trade happened where uh, I told you that Chris Paul, who the Wizards had traded for, was being traded for the Warriors, and then you said for who, and I said Jordan Poole, and you couldn't quite believe that. From the Wizards' standpoint, like they have been pretty irrelevant in the last 10 years. They had the... John Wall and Bradley Beal experience. Wall goes, then Beal. Now he's out. What What does a Wizards fan think after everything that's happened so far in this offseason? Where, where are Wizards fans at? Well, it's been kind of a whirlwind because going into the offseason, before they decided to move on from Tommy Shepard as general manager, it just seemed like it was going to be business as usual. It seemed like they were going to run everything back. They were going to try to keep that core of Beal Kuzma and Porzingis together and kind of just run everything back. But, you know, it didn't make much sense because this team was trying to win last year and they didn't even make the play-in tournament. So I think Ted Leonsis got a little bit frustrated by seeing how Rui did out in L.A. with the Lakers. And I think he just looked at the vision that Tommy Shepard had and was frustrated. So he moves on from Tommy Shepard, brings in three new executives and Michael Winger, uh, Travis Schlank, and Will Dawkins from various organizations around the NBA. And I think it was pretty clear then that they were going to move on from things and whatever the case may be, Beal was going to be at the top of the list just getting that contract off of the books and see what happens from there. But you, know, you mentioned the the Chris Paul trade that brings back Jordan Poole as part of that Bradley Beal deal. I know it looks like there's not a whole lot you're getting for Bradley Beal initially, but with you having a, a full no-trade clause and – just the way that his contract works, and he's not – I think he's a little bit overhated in the D.C. area in general. I'm still a Beal fan, but it's warranted in a lot of ways because he didn't exactly do anything for the Wizards in his entire time there. I mean, all the memorable moments for the Wizards over the last decade, it's not like there's Bradley Beal memories at the top of that. It's more John Wall and other guys, so – you get anything for him, and then obviously you move Paul and get Jordan Poole. And I know it doesn't look like a ton for moving a guy that is getting a super max deal, but at the same point, you get off that contract and you kind of get a fresh start, hit the reset button, and getting anything at that point you felt pretty good with. You once, a uh, couple ways I want to go, because you once told me, Toby, Alsti- <laughs> Toby Altizer, um, DC Radio. Uh, you once told me, that with all your teams, like you want the commanders and the nationals, you, you want them to be good. But with the Wizards, you don't care. You just want to watch your favorite player in Bradley Beal. Has that changed? That was a uh, perspective I had while I was covering the Milwaukee Bucks. And, <laughs> y- you know, you're, you're not really covering the Wizards. And now I'm back in D.C. And 
You're okay. watching this team night in, night out, and uh, I'd prefer they win basketball games. The uh, mention that you, you had about Bradley Beal and, and John Wall, when the trade went down a week ago, we were on the air, and I got to talk about that as it was happening on CBS Sports Radio. And I was then thinking how irrelevant the Wizards had been. So I pulled up the Wizards YouTube channel, and I tried to look at what the top moments were in the last decade. And thankfully, they had a pre-made video. And I think the top two moments were a game where Paul Pierce called. He didn't call bank. He called game. was number two. And then uh-huh. John John Wall had a buzzer beater against the Celtics in a series that the Wizard en- ended up losing. Uh, I don't know when they'll be good again or relevant, but they did have to do something because this was, again, it was just, they've been an afterthought of a franchise. Well, and they did a, I think they did a really good job finally uh, in trying to fix this and that for years it's been Ted Leonsis just continues to try to win and basically get that eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Now you get the play in, so just get me somewhere in the top ten in the Eastern Conference get us some playoff money, and that's all I care about. And so they consistently tried for that. This team hasn't been good in a long time. I mean, even when you think about Gilbert Arenas' time frame, they were good basketball teams, but they weren't great. Like, they were never a championship contender. And even, like you mentioned, the John Wall year against the Celtics, if if they win game seven, maybe they get to the conference finals. They're not going anywhere after that, so... It's not like this team has been a championship contender in a long time. So now they've decided that you bring in some outside executives to kind of take a look at the organization from a fresh point of view and not guys from within like they've done before. And I think you see clearly that the guys look at this organization and think it's it's not very well put together and they're kind of tearing it down right away. And hopefully they'll have full freedom to do what they see as fit going forward. Now, is there is any Wizard fan thinking of, okay, this is going to be a process, but we hope to be good by this time? Are they hoping that they're good before that 2030 first-round pick uh, comes, comes around? Or when are they hoping to be uh, contenders again? Yeah, I don't know exactly the answer to that question. I know there's some Wizards fans that are frustrated and they didn't feel like they got enough for Beal or Porzingis and various things. And I, I think – they don't fully understand exactly what's going on with this franchise at this point, if they're feeling that way. I don't know that there is a timeline. I think for these guys that just came in, you know, there's going to be a honeymoon period with Wizards fans where they can do pretty much whatever they want for the next year or two, and it's going to be taken very positively for the most part. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens there. I mean, they they draft some projects this year as well to go along with getting some of these draft picks and these trades. So, I think they're going to play the long game here. I don't know that there is a timeline. You'd love to see them be good again before that 2030, but honestly, I have no idea at this point. Toby Altizer here, uh, CBS Sports Radio. Again, I'm Bart Winkler. You can catch Toby out in D.C., 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980, those on your Odyssey app. Check out Bustin' Loose Baseball, the premier podcast for any Nationals fan that exists. Uh, I don't have any Nationals questions. I don't really care too much <laughs> about them. There's there's nothing I can give you, man. They're they're terrible. So, okay. Uh, I will ask you about the Commanders 
Because I, I look at all these teams, you know, and, and we have some time yet before the NFL starts, and there's not really a lot that happens in these next five weeks. But I do kind of look around and see, well, what teams do I think can be first uh, or worst to first? What are some win totals? There's all these different things. I don't know how to get a good read on the commanders. And I think a lot of that comes down to what they're going to do at quarterback and how much they love Sam Howell. What should I be getting read-wise on the commanders? Well, my take on this, and you watched a little bit of college football, Bart. You know a little bit about Sam Howell coming in. Do you think Sam Howell is going to be any worse than what Heineke and what Carson Wentz were given the commanders last year? How come Heineke was never good? He had that one good playoff game, and then he stunk. Well, he's a solid football player, but he's not. He's just limited in a lot of ways. He's a fun guy to watch. He can run around, but the arm strength isn't always there, and the one thing that was always nice to watch with him is he had great poise and that no situation was too big for him. Like some Washington quarterbacks of the past, thinking of like Kirk Cousins in primetime games. But I think Sam Howell gives you a same level of quarterback play, bare minimum, as those guys gave them last season. And if that's the case, the defense is largely the same. And I think the a lot of people questioned their first-round draft pick being – Emmanuel Forbes over Christian Gonzalez. And the reason they made that pick, I, I still am kind of iffy and back and forth, but I think Forbes is going to be a good player for them. The reason they make that pick is last year they had a very solid defense, pretty good in a lot of cases, but they just did not make any plays. They didn't turn the ball over. And you get a guy in Emmanuel Forbes that had the most pick sixes in college football history and a guy that makes a lot of plays in the football and all reports in training camp or in OTAs and stuff are that he's making plays in the football. So I think they're going to make some plays on the defensive side of the ball to help out the offense. And I think the offense takes a step forward because of the combination of Howell gives you the mobility that Heineke gave you last year and the arm strength that Wentz gave you. And then everyone seems to forget that Eric Bieniemy is coming over from Kansas City. And for whatever reason, some Commanders fans were hesitant because he'd never called plays before. I'm just glad that there's an adult in the room now on that offensive side of the ball that has some coaching experience in big-time situations. I mean, this is a two-time Super Bowl-winning offensive coordinator coming over to the Commanders, and it seems like it's kind of been brushed over, which, I mean, obviously all the sales stuff makes sense, but I think this guy's going to really help out this offense this year as well. Yeah, I wonder what that does, too, for Ron Rivera because – He's been there for three mediocre average years, never had a winning season yet with Washington, although did win a division uh, at, not, at seven and nine during the COVID year. So congrats on them for that. That was the Heineke versus Tom Brady game where it looked like they were going to win for at least a good three or four minutes. Uh, you thought it was possible. Does this put pressure on Rivera? Does it take some off of him? Because he does have a guy, you know, working with the offense, working with his quarterback, if it's Howell, for the future. I always wonder why teams like, and I, I criticize the bears for doing this too. When they brought in fields, I think if you, if you have a coach that's like a lame duck or on the hot seat, I don't, I think you got to be coach and quarterback kind of need to be connected. You know, I don't, I don't understand why teams that are eventually going to fire the coach do it after they've already implemented the quarterback. I, I would like to see them grow together. Maybe it's the right way. Maybe it's the wrong way, but I just wonder about the immediate pressure with all these things considered for Rivera? It's an odd situation, Bart. I mean, to have Eric Bieniemy come over and do all the things that he's doing, 
it, it's kind of odd. I mean, he has this assist, assistant head coach role, which is the, the selling point on why it wasn't a lateral move going from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator from Kansas City to Washington. And essentially, it's been odd seeing how Rivera has basically given Biennemi the keys to pretty much everything. He was scheduling practices for OTAs. He was pretty much running everything. And even in a press conference, Ron Rivera said that he was basically acting like a manager and kind of playing like a CEO type as opposed to actually being more hands-on football-y. So I, I honestly don't know if there's something cooking behind the scenes. Like I don't think there's a non-zero chance that at some point before the end of the season, the enemy becomes the head coach. I mean, obviously a lot's going to change with the ownership, which looks like it's going to finish up here in the next month, July 20th. So hopefully that'll resolve some things. But this Ron Rivera situation, we've talked about it plenty in D.C. It's a little odd with how much he's given to Eric Bieniemy, and it's still a little odd to me that of all places Bieniemy could have chosen to go to hopefully eventually propel himself to be a head coach. He chose Washington. I feel like there might be something cooking, but I don't want to say anything irresponsible. So I, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I guess if you're, um, you know, you saw what the Suns owner did, different sport, but sometimes these new owners or new ownership groups come in here and they make a lot of changes uh, very quickly and sometimes they're on the fly and sometimes, uh, as you are not officially suggesting, sometimes there's some other conversations that are had prior to that as well. Toby, thanks, buddy. Always good to talk to you. Uh, Good to see you and uh, safe travels. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Bart. Toby Altizer, you can catch him again out in D.C., 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, also on the Odyssey app, as well as Bustin' Loose Baseball, him and G.P. Grant Paulson bringing you the latest on Nationals Baseball. If, if you have a conversation with someone, you're like, man, what are you binging these days? And they say, I don't know, Ozark, Succession. You say, no, no, no. Bustin' Loose Baseball. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Always good to chat with Toby, CBS Sports Radio. Again, I'll be there all this week on Writer Than You, 9 to 11, 12.50 a.m. The Fan. I had a caller say, I like when you're on. I like when you pop up. I think you're the most cerebral host on CBS. And I said, I don't know what that means. And was kind of a joke. He said, Oh, you just, you always, you always get me think, you get me to think about things from a different standpoint. And I think, well, that's great because that was what fast tracked me to the top of Milwaukee radio. And then I tweeted at Zabe and Wildy drunk too many times. And when my station went under, nobody wanted to hire me. So, I don't know really where I'm going with that. But one of the other things I brought up is I talk about this a lot on on the national show. I talk about how the NFL is a balloon and it keeps trying to put more air into it. It keeps trying to see how many like 
how many can it hold? How, how big can we get? How much can we inflate this before it eventually pops? And so I came up with a list of the top five things that could crush the NFL. Maybe not crush, like make it obsolete, but that could stop the momentum of the NFL. The top five things that could stop the momentum of the NFL as they continue to add and add and add. And this was spurred by there's a baseball game in London this weekend, Cards and Cardinals, uh, Cubs and Cardinals split. And it got me thinking about the NFL in London and, and what they're trying to do. And um, the NFL at some point wants to have a team there. I think they're very clear about that. And if they're going to have a team, they're probably going to have a division. And I think that is one of the things that might make the balloon go boop. But if it doesn't, like there's all these other things that I thought would make the balloon pop. I thought a, another week to the regular season would make it pop. Nope. If it doesn't make it pop, it makes it stronger. I guess it's, it's less like a balloon in airs. It's more like steroids. Like you're taking this drug and it's making you stronger. And then at some point, at some point you're going to turn the HGH, the testosterone. Yeah, it's, it's working. But if you take too much at some point, it's going to, or it's like me, like drinking during the night. I'll have some funny tweets when I'm a little buzzed, but then when I drink too much, then, then I'm getting in fights with people over commas and stuff. So maybe it's like that. But I thought like another week of the NFL would ruin things. I think this flex thing is a bad idea with Thursday night, but that'll actually turn out to be a success. There's been all this kind of stuff. I thought Christmas Day taking over Christmas Day was a bad idea. Uh, that 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 will turn out to be that was a success. One of the top rated shows of the year. I think that the five things I said were a massive gambling scandal that like severely impacts the outcome of a, of a playoff game. I think that would get everybody questioning and the NFL would have to dial back gambling a little bit, which is a big cow for them financially. And then we would not know like, what could we trust? I think fans getting priced out. Uh, a lot of fans complain about things are too expensive. This is too expensive. One guy called me and said, I don't pay for cable. I watch all my games at my local bar now. And the he got disconnected before I could be like, well, how much are you spending at the bar? I mean, you're probably better off just getting cable. But if they get priced out of like, if games go to pay-per-view on a consistent basis, that, that might price some people out. Uh, I thought we almost had it. Somebody almost died on the field. Somebody did die on the field in 1971, a receiver. Uh, for the Lions, and we almost saw DeMar Hamlin die, and I don't know how they would have played that game ever again. I don't know how they would have played any game ever again. I don't know that we could have sell. How could how could we have how could we have enjoyed the Super Bowl if we knew that this sport killed someone? And even though it was a fluke thing, a, totally a fluke thing, we did still watch somebody die. It, it just would be really hard. And if if we see dice, if we see someone, I just don't even want to think about it. The other inverse to that is, what if the league becomes too safe? What if they put in too many rules that it's like it's not football anymore? I mean, what if it turns into like flag football? We, we got to have some contact here. It is a contact sport. It doesn't need to be using your body as a projectile and trying to actually murder people, but it can't be flag football. The NFL going too big with expansion, I think. I think that could bite them. What if you go to Europe and you go in some teams and then 10 years from now we're at war with England? I mean, that's going to be a fucking shit show, right? Uh, that's extreme, but... Will, will players want to go there? Does everybody want to go there? Will, will draft players hold out and say, eh, you know, the London Monarchs have the number one pick, but I ain't fucking going playing there. Will they have a hard time getting free agents? Will they end up just, you know, I don't know. I, there's a lot of questions to that. And then, of course, the Saudis. They're the ones with all this money right now. What if they buy 
if they can't buy an NFL team, what if they buy uh, a league, the USFL, and suddenly they throw a bunch of money at like Caleb Williams or Drake May, and these guys start going to that league, just what the USFL did all those years ago. I mean, we could see that again someday. So just something to think about, something cerebral that I brought up on the show there today. Nate uh, from Four Golf is going to, I'm going to introduce you to him. They've got a new product out. Uh, great golf gear. I was wearing some of it the other night. I was wearing the Miami nice shirt. They call it um, really comfortable. It is fitting. I'm having a very hard time fitting into extra large shirts right now. This is a big problem. I just recently went up to extra large. My body from uh, boob to uh, top is a large. My body from boob to gut is a double because of my gut. I'm very depressed about it. I'm actually very, very upset. Uh, I may start, I may actually go to a gym. I don't even know if that's enough. I may have waited too long. That being said, uh, four golf is a shirt that fit me. So let me introduce you to Nate and then I'll wrap it up with some voicemails. I want to pivot for a second and bring in Nate from four golf, uh, four golf apparel.com. I've been starting to talk about these guys. They've got golf apparel that is a little more affordable and very, very comfy. And this is like, this is a big endeavor, Nate, if you want to just uh, say hi to the folks and and tell me why you decided just to like start selling golf apparel. I don't want to accuse you of being a midlife or anything, but <laughs> well, well, what's up? What's what's the reason behind this? Because I and I'll, I'll I'll tell people and you'll see me start to wear it a little bit if you haven't already. The stuff is comfortable and it is nice. And uh, I'm very impressed with it. But why did that? Why is this? How did this happen? Uh, well, everybody's out there, um, you know, to take the quote from Ray Zelinsky from uh, Ray's Auto from Tommy Boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm the average golfer and I care about the average golfer because that's who I am. Um, we go golfing. We're dropping 100 bucks per round, you know, golf cart, drinks, lose half a dozen golf balls. And, um, you know, it's a good time, but it's a costly time. And everywhere you go, you know, you go out and you see polos, there's 69, 70, 80 bucks. Some are even a hundred. Um, being in the apparel industry and the promotional side of it, I was able to find, you know, factories, talk to people, make some connections. And finally I took a leap of faith and partnered up with Dave for and, and, uh, Ryan Donovan. And we decided to get into it and, you know, our price points, you know, our polos are $40, $45, our quarter zips, uh, pullovers are $50, and it's just more affordable. You know, we don't spend as much time or money on marketing. It's more of, let's just, you know, grow it organically through Facebook with the Bart Winkler show and uh, see what yeah. we do to uh, get more people wearing golf apparel instead of, you know, dropping, you know, at the end of a round, 300 bucks, you know, between your pullover polo round drinks. So, yeah. Yeah. I had to do this golf outing once. Uh, what was it for? It was for like a, I don't know, but I need, I needed to like not wear scrubby stuff. And I had like, I don't know. I say I always fatted out of a large. <laughs> but, so I paid for, you know, stuff and, it was a little more expensive than I wanted for these shirts. I'm, I'm like, like $45 for these shirts is ridiculous. 
in a good way. I, I would expect to spend minimum 75 Thank you. for the feel of them, for the comfort of them, uh, for the fit of them. And I know like there's, there's different styles and different fits. If you guys check out the website for golfapparel.com, what you'll see me wearing is the Miami nice men's polo, which is good for me too. Cause I like the colors. They, they match up with the soccer team in Madison that I'm doing stuff for. But then uh, that one, I think you described that one as a little better for a, a dad bod. The dad bod, the traditional golfer. Yep. So like the Miami nice, uh, we're bringing in a cotton candy colored polo, little gradient uh, from like a turquoise to, um, to, to a pink, I think it was. Um, I can't remember who been <laughs> so busy. Yeah. Uh, like the USA polo that I'm wearing uh, for the Ryder Cup, uh, Ryder Cup version this year. Uh, I got the kind of more of a, a nice looser fit on the guys. You see a lot of, I, I'm not dropping names, but a lot of the, you know, the ones you're buying for X amount for a, for a swoosh, you know, they're cut for, you know, the athletic golfer. And a lot of us guys who are 50 years old are not cut that way anymore. And we'd like to have some room when we swing and not walk around and, and, and <laughs> however, we do have uh, our signature polo. It's called the F F G signature. And that's more of an athletic fit for guys. So it's more of the guys who are in shape to like to have that clean, close look of a polo. Um, that would be our Carolina blue and our Badger red one. Um, those two are kind of more cut to, um, and our, and our tiger and Phil one they're, they're cut more close to the body. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, not every, like some, some of you guys out there have done a good job maintaining your bodies. So it's not, it's not like this is just for fatties like me, uh, right. but, but I do appreciate the Miami nice cause it does fit. Yeah. Um, and that, that's great. And then you got the quarter zips, you got a bunch of different hats. So if you want to look good on the golf course, this is a great way to get started. The USA polo is really nice too, for like, just to support USA. I mean, that, that's a great polo, um, and for the price point, I think that's great. Also, when you go on the website, um, it's already very affordable. So I think that one of the things that when I was first talking to you is, like, we just don't want, like, we're doing everything we can to not make these $80. And so they're already at a very nice price point, like I mentioned. And then promo code BART will get you another 10% off as a nice uh, little uh, thank you. So... Promo code Bart, that that promo code Bart, man. I'm going to change my name to promo code Bart someday. But that's just a nice little thing just to to tie us together and to make it even more affordable. But again, I can't I can't stress enough that for the shirts that I have, I don't like it's it's half. I'm you're paying half of what I think you would uh, expect to pay. And we get free shipping at $50 too. So that's just, you know, a pull one a cap. You know, we have right now we currently have um, so if you know the Richardson 112s, which is the most popular hat out there, our hats are knocked off, uh, and I shouldn't say knocked off, is built similar to the Richardson 112s. Not as high on the forehead, but the mesh quality, the snapback, you know, the cotton poly blend on there, and it just feels, it feels good on my head. I have a shaved head, so it feels good on there. Um, and we have it in navy to match some, and then uh, navy and white and black and white to match some of the polos and we're bringing in it's getting here late because i got cut through customs but uh a stars and stripes uh symbol cap so it'd be a red white and blue snapback with the fg on there we're hopefully we'll get it 
next week, but uh, we're not holding our breath. And then we're bringing in a rope cap in black as well. So uh, a couple things else we're bringing in and uh, we just started. So there's not a lot of selection just yet. I think we have like 13, 11, 13 items right now. Uh, but we are going to slowly, you know, keep reinvesting everything we can back into to expand the line and make sure we have, um, you know, we already got some great fans and loyal customers. So we're just trying to keep them in the four golf uh, apparel as much as we can. So yeah, you, when you say just started, you like are literally just starting. I mean, this is this is like as fresh as it can be almost. Yeah, it will be. I think it's a month and a couple of days. I think like on the twenty fourth, we actually launched on the on May twenty fourth. So, okay. So, how good are you at golf then? Um, I can hit the ball uh, in the fairway one out of six times. So, I am the true hacker of the course. Because <laughs> people like it comes up. I'm I'm with these other dads a lot with my kid being at daycare, and we like feel each other out and see like what we're interested in and do you golf? I go, yeah, I mean, I have a set of clubs and I have golfed, uh, you know, a lot. I actually haven't been out to a course yet here this year, which is ridiculous because I have more free time than ever. Um, but then I'm like, I'm, I can drive the ball. Like when you watch me during a round and then you see me driving, you're like, how does he know how to do that? And I can putt. I took second place in a mini golf tournament, mini golf league. Nice. I can't do anything else. I cannot, like, I'm, I can't hit irons. So when I say, like, a lot of people will, like, downplay, like, oh, I'm bad, I'm bad. But what's your handicap? Oh, like a three. (laughs) I'm, like, bad, bad. Yeah. I, like, like to tee off. That's why scrambles are the best for me. I like to tee off, drive to the green. If, 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 if golf was, like, if every hole was, like, 230 yards. I would <laughs> I would be the best fucking golfer ever. Absolutely. I always tell everybody I gain strokes off the tee box, but then once I get once I catch up to me, I'm like I already lose. You know, we're on a par 5 and I'll I'll grease one 300 yards and then like, "Oh, what'd you get?" I got a 6. How many putts? Uh, 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You know, so maybe, maybe the two of us combined could have one decent guy. I would love that. Yeah, we do have a golf outing. If I may uh, advertise that too. Uh, yeah, coming up September. September 9th at Crystal Springs Golf Course in Seymour. Um, we're gonna have a scramble type outing. Uh, details and pricing to come, but I just want people to plan it out there. I just booked it today. Um, want to get it out there? 18 holes scramble format. Uh, shotgun start at 9 a.m. and uh, check in at eight o'clock. You know, work on some prizes to win via raffles. We're not we're not looking to make money on this. We're looking. I'm looking at this as a networking event for other golfers, business owners, sales reps, whatever you have. This is more for the people. I really. I started golfing three years ago, and I really got into the network aspect of it. I made a lot of good new friends through it, business connections, job opportunities. So uh, for me, this is more for the people just to get together. If we can get 25 teams, that's a hundred people. That's a lot of good guys together golfing and, and, you know, making, making connections. Forgolfapparel.com. Again, promo code BART. We'll get you 10% off uh, your order. And then you guys are also, most of the updates are coming on Facebook or what are you doing? 
Yeah, we're promoting a lot of stuff on Facebook. Same thing for 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 golf apparel uh, on the Facebook. And uh, give us a like, give us a follow. We do random drawings. You know, we we're gonna probably we just did hats at three hundred likes. Um, for once we got to three hundred, everybody who liked and shared, or everyone who shared our page, got entered in, and we drew uh, two hats actually. Uh, this week we're, we're uh, rewarding all the guys who got our order during Father's Day week. Uh, with a quarter zip, so we're gonna do a drawing probably tomorrow uh, for the for the fans that bought a an item during uh, Father's Day week. So we're gonna do a quarter zip giveaway. So we always try to do something to you know give back to the people. You know, well, it's great stuff already with the low price, the comfy shirts. I mean, you you've done enough. Just the average guy, the Ray Zielinski of Wisconsin golf. Nate, thanks, man. And again, fourgolfapparel.com, promo code BART. Thanks, Bart. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate everything. Fourgolfapparel.com, promo code BART. Get you 10% off there. Matt in the Falls the other day called, and he was furious that Cone would not say what cops he was at. He didn't understand why Cone Roller had to always be so, um, well, here, I'm going to replay that one. Here, here's Matt's voicemail because we got a rebuttal. So here's the one from Matt. This motherfucker, this motherfucker won't even say which cop's location he went to. Not that he's at. Cop's location that he went to? Hey, Cone, which cop's could you? Uh, undisclosed. Was it, was it, was it this one? Uh, undisclosed. Are you fucking kidding me? You can't say which go to we go to cone roller hey bard it's cone uh thursday afternoon just got done listening to your pod heard the ending with matt the falls calling me out don't really know why his panties are all in a bunch you know matt i'm speaking directly to, to you here I know, I know you have had your discrepancies and issues with the trans community, but are you sure it's just not your time of the month, man? There's no need you need to get that mad and that triggered just for me not revealing what cops I was at. I said the flavors of the day. If you're smart enough, which I doubt, you'd be able to figure it out. So, Matt, be better. Keep your name out of, or keep my name out of your mouth. And, you know... Let's just enjoy each other. It's the Winkler community, and let's all get along. <laughs> Take a shot and then plead for plead for peace. All right, you two boys. You two boys. This is the, this is the biggest Winkler versus war since everyone ganged up on Q that one day. The voicemails are 
brought to you by Carl's Place, carloft.com backslash Bart. Again, Toby and I got to be there, hit some shots, uh, had a good time. I do have another voicemail from Matt in the Falls on a totally unrelated topic. And I think this is, this is, he's looking, I saw, I saw he was looking for more music and he asked me and I, I think I, I don't, I think I didn't respond to that one, but uh, I would have suggested death cab. And so he on his own listened to transatlanticism, which is one of their best uh, albums. Any death cab fan will tell you that this was put out in October of 2003. Uh, A lot of the songs were used on the OC at the time, Ben Gibbard, the lead singer. New Year was a big song that I liked. Uh, Expo 86 and and We Look Like Giants. I mean, this, this album, and there were the emotional ones. Passenger Seat, uh, Lack of Color. This, this, was, this was a big album for me. Here's the Matt in the Falls review. Hey, Bart, it's me. Um, I just finished... Transatlanticism, uh, start to finish, and I've got a lot of thoughts. Um, boy, where to begin? Uh, it was good, uh, pretty good overall. Um, musically, uh, I had a good flow, as I say. Um, after like the first five songs, I was like, yeah, I could, you know. I'm probably not going to listen to this a lot, but I could see it as like a a mix-up on a car trip. And then uh, it really kind of teetered, teetered off a little bit for me. The middle of the album, a lot of snoozers. A lot of snoozers. Um, I just just wish wish there was a little more instrumentalism. Um, It seemed like it was very focused on the vocals and the, uh, the lead singer, the only singer. Um, it felt like there were, there were just songs that were kind of being supported by some simple melancholy music. And I would I just would have liked a little more uh, showmanship in the instrumental category. Uh, just a little more pizzazz, a little more zest. Um, melancholy would be a good word the album um, it felt very appropriate for 2003 um, so I could see like a 19 year old Bart having a real emotional connection to say uh, we looked like giants um, even though you were probably still a virgin when you were 19 uh, but you still probably cried to it or something um, yeah I mean it was it was a nice album it but uh it didn't grab me but uh i I could see people liking it i could see people really going nuts at a concert with his lead singer like reaching into the crowd maybe body surfing naked or something i don't know it was very emotional very emo if you will as we said in 2003 very emo um yeah and uh, that's what I got on um, the best album by your favorite band. I got to say, it's a pretty decent review. Uh, the ones that, as he was talking, I initially you know, forgot what was on the album because I suck. Uh, I was going to say, oh, you should listen to these, this song and this song and this song. 
yeah, transatlanticism, maybe that's where it got a little slower for you. And then passenger seat back to back. Track seven and eight. But those are two of the like highly regarded. You got you to remember Death Cab, very specific. Like there's there's Death Cabs that songs that you may or may not like. But the ones that felt the, like the ones that Ben Gibbard sat down and pictured when he was writing songs was to basically uh, 19 to 25 year old guys who got friend zoned. That's I mean, that's or or um, had a chance with the girl and then blew it. And are in the friend zone. That was who he wrote to. Then, you know, he married Zoe and they got divorced. So then the next three albums were like, Zoe, I miss you, Black Sun. Whatever. Uh, all right. So good job by Matt. Good job by you. Good job by, by me. I don't know if I'm going to be live on Monday night. It's just really hard to put my kid down when, when mommy's not here. He uh, He misses her. And it's kind of sad. And uh, I'm not I'm not an adequate replacement. So we just lay there and wait for him to fall asleep. And, or maybe I keep him up. Maybe maybe he does the pod. Maybe he does the Brewers post game. Still goes to baseball game. Thinks he's at a football game. You don't know. Why not get started young? Bar Winkler show. <laughs> 